0: Hey, welcome to Bible Chunks, where we read through the Bible in the chunks or sections based on themes that it was designed to be read in so we can get a better handle on the story of God. My name's Kevin. That's enough about me. Let's dive into the Word. Today we'll be reading 1 Chronicles 17 1 through 22. 1, 102 verses today. Now, when David lived in his house, David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, It is not you who will build me a house to dwell in, for I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up up Israel to this day. But I have gone from tent to tent and from dwelling to dwelling in all places where I have moved with all Israel. Did I speak with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall waste them no more, as formerly. From from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will subdue all your enemies. Moreover, I declare to you that the Lord will build you a house. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I'll establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, and I'll establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from him who was before you, but I will confirm him in my house and my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And this was a small thing in your eyes, O God. You've also spoken of this servant's house for a great while to come, and have shown me future generations. O Lord God! And what more can David say to you for honoring your servant? For you know your servant, for your servant's sake, O Lord. And according to your own heart, you have done all this greatness, in making known all these great things. There is none like you, O Lord, and there is no God beside you. According to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people, making for yourself a great name for great and awesome things, in driving out nations before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt? And you made your people Israel to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord, let the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house be established forever. And do as you have spoken. And your name will be established and magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, is Israel's God. And the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him. Therefore your servant has found courage to pray before you. And now, O Lord, you are God, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever before you. For it is you, O Lord, who have blessed, and it is blessed forever. After this, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them, and he took Gath and its villages out of the hand of the Philistines. And he defeated Moab, and the Moabites became servants to David and brought tribute. David also defeated Hadadezer, king of Zobah Hamath, as he went to set up his monument at the river Euphrates. And David took from him 1,000 chariots, 7,000 horsemen and 20,000 foot soldiers. And David hamstrung all the chariot horses, but left enough for 100 chariots. And when the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hedadezer, king of Zobah, Zobah, David struck down 22,000 men of the Syrians. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became servants to David and brought tribute. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. And David took the shields of gold that were carried by the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. And from Tibhath and from Kun, cities of Hadadezer, David took a large amount of bronze. With it, Solomon made the bronze sea and the pillars and the vessels of bronze. When Tau, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated the whole army of Hadadezer, king of Zobah, he sent his son Hadarim to king David to ask about his health and to bless him because he had fought against Hadadezer and defeated him. For Hadadezer had often been at war with Tau, and he had sent all sorts of articles of gold, of silver, and of bronze. These also King David dedicated to the Lord, together with the silver and gold that he had carried off from all the nations, from Edom, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, and Amalek. And Abishai, the son of Zuriah, killed 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. Then he put garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. So David reigned over all Israel, and he administered justice and equity to all his people. And Joab the son of Zuriah was over the army, and Jehoshaphat the son of Elihud was recorder, and Zadok the son of Ahitu, and Ahimelech the son of Abiathar were priests, and Shavzah was secretary. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites, and David's sons were the chief officials in the service of the king. Now after this, Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, died, and his son reigned in his place. And David said, I will deal kindly with Hanun, the son of Nahash, for his father dealt kindly with me. So David sent messengers to console him concerning his father. And David's servants came to the land of the Ammonites, to Hanun, to console him. But the princes of the Ammonites said to Hanun, Do you think... Because David has sent comforters to you, that he is honoring your father? Have not his servants come to you to search and to overthrow and to spy out the land? So Hanun took David's servants and shaved them and cut off their garments in the middle, at their hips, and sent them away, and they departed. When David was told concerning the men, he sent messengers to meet them, for the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Remain at Jericho until your beards have grown, and then return. When the Ammonites saw that they had become a stench to David, Hanun and the Ammonites sent 1,000 talents of silver to hire chariots and horsemen from Mesopotamia, from Aram Maaca, and from Zobah. They hired 32,000 chariots and the king of Maaca with his army, who came and encamped before Medeba. And the Ammonites were mustered from their cities and came to battle. When David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the army of the mighty men. And the Ammonites came out and drew up in battle array at the entrance of the city, And the kings who had come were by themselves in the open country. When Joab saw that the battle was set against him, both in front and in the rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. The rest of his men he put in charge of Abishai, his brother, and they were arrayed against the Ammonites. And he said, If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will help you. Be strong and let us use our strength for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. So Joab and the people who were with him drew near before the Syrians for battle, and they fled before him. And when the Ammonites saw that the Syrians fled, they likewise fled before Abishai, Joab's brother, and entered the city. Then Joab came to Jerusalem. But when the Syrians saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they sent messengers and brought out the Syrians who were beyond the Euphrates, with Shophak, the commander of the army of Hadadezer, at their head. And when it was told to David, he gathered all Israel together and crossed the Jordan and came to them and drew up his forces against them. And when David set the battle in array against the Syrians, they fought with him. And the Syrians fled before Israel. And David killed the Syrians, the men of 7,000 chariots and 40,000 foot soldiers, and put to death also Shophak, the commander of their army. And when the servants of Hadadezer saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they made peace with David and became subject to him. So the Syrians were not willing to save the Ammonites anymore. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, Joab led out the army and ravaged the country of the Ammonites and came and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. And Joab struck down Rabbah and overthrew it. And David took the crown of the king from his head. He found that it weighed a talent of gold, and in it was a precious stone. And it was placed on David's head. And he brought out the spoil of the city, a very great amount. And he brought out the people who were in it and set them to labor with saws and iron picks and axes. And thus David did to all the cities of the Ammonites. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. And after this there arose a war with the Philistines at Gezer. Then Sibekai, the Hushethite, struck down Sippai, who was one of the descendants of the giants. And the Philistines were subdued. And there was a, again war with the Philistines. And Elhanan the son of Jair, struck down Lachmi, the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was, again, war at Gath, where there were, was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number. And he also was a descendant from the giants. And when he taunted Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, David's brother, struck him down. These were the descendants from the giants in Gath, And they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. So David said to Joab and his commanders of his army, Go number Israel from Beersheba to Dan and bring me a report that I may know their number. But Joab said, May the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. Are they not, my lord, the king, all of them, my lord's servants? Why then should my lord require this? Why should it be a cause of guilt for Israel? But the king's word prevailed against Joab. So Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came back to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of the numbering of the people to David. In all Israel there were 1,100,000 men who drew the sword and in Judah 470,000 who drew the sword. But he did not include Levi and Benjamin in the numbering for the king's command was abhorrent to Joab. But God was displeased with this thing and he struck Israel. And David said to God, I've sinned greatly in that I have done this thing but now Please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have acted very foolishly. And the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer, saying, Go, and say to David, Thus says the Lord, Three things I offer you. Choose one of them, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Choose what you will, either three years of famine, or three months of devastation by your foes, while the sword of your enemies overtakes you, or else three days of the sword of the Lord, pestilence in the land with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout the territory of Israel. Now decide what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I'm in great distress. Let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is very great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell. And God sent the angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. But as he was about to destroy it, the Lord saw, and he relented from the calamity. And he said to the angel who was working destruction, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven. And in his hand, a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders clothed in sackcloth fell upon their faces. And David said to God, Was it not I who gave command to number the people? It is I who have sinned and done great evil. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand, O Lord my God, be against me and against my father's house, but do not let the plague be on your people. Now the angel of the Lord had commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. He turned and saw the angel, and his four sons who were with him hid themselves. As David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out from the threshing floor and paid homage to David with his face to the ground. And David said to Ornan, Give me the site of the threshing floor that I may build on it an altar to the Lord. Give it to me at its full price that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Ornan said to David, Take it and let my lord the king do what seems good to him. See, I give the oxen for burnt offerings and the threshing sledges for the wood and the wheat for a grain offering. I give it all. But King David said to Ornan, No but I will buy them for the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours, nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David paid Ornan 600 shekels of gold by weight for the site. And David built there an altar to the Lord and presented burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord. And the Lord answered him with fire from heaven upon the altar of burnt offering. Then the Lord commanded the angel and he put his sword back into its sheath. At that time, When David saw that the Lord had answered him at the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, he sacrificed there, for the tabernacle of the Lord which Moses had made in the wilderness and the altar of burnt offering were at that time in the high place at Gibeon. But David could not go before it to inquire of God, for he was afraid of the sword of the angel of the Lord. Then David said, Here shall be the house of the Lord God, and here the altar of burnt offerings for Israel. Again, today we get some familiar stories, but we get some unfamiliar details for the stories. First we begin with God's covenant with David. David tells the Lord that he wants to build him a house. He wants to build a temple for the Lord. And he tells this to Nathan the prophet and Nathan says, go ahead, do it. And then the Lord comes to Nathan and says, no. Uh, David has too much blood on his hands. So, a temple will be built to me. I didn't ask for a temple to be built to me, but a temple will be built to me by one of David's sons. But here's what I'm going to do. I am going to build a house for David. And he uses the same Hebrew word, but he means something very different. That house that he's going to build for David is uh, the generations of David sitting on the throne of Israel. So God makes a covenant with David, saying that there will always be a descendant of David sitting on the throne of Israel. And then David prays, and he says, I wanted to build you a house, but you told me that you're going to build me a house, so let it be so. But he, that, he doesn't give up on the house. Instead, what he does is he takes all of the, the things that Solomon will eventually use for the house and he consolidates them. We, we find out here, we didn't find this out, but as David was going out to battle, he was taking all of the materials, the shields and the bronze and all of the things, and he was uh, hoarding them for later use. for for use in the the temple that Solomon would build. And so he's setting up the future generation to build the temple. And we get some more stories, but what's really interesting and really important about the structure of Chronicles is in chapter 20. It begins with, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, Joab led out the army and ravaged the country of the Ammonites and came and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Now, we don't get any story of Bathsheba in this telling. The same, same wording is used in Samuel in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle. David remained in Jerusalem. And that leads us into the story of Bathsheba and David's great sin. But it's left out here, not because the author wants you, is trying to like be sly and, and slide something by you, but because his intention in writing this is different. His intention in writing this is to display David as that future Messiah, the one who's going to come after David. Who So David is this image of the one who is to come, the one who will restore, the one who will crush the head of the snake, the one who will. And so he's he's uh, including and excluding things intentionally. He knows that we can go back and read Samuel. He's not trying to, to be sly and get it past us. but in communicating it, like when you tell a story, depending on the audience you're telling it to, you might include or exclude certain details. And his intention in this is to display David as the Messiah who is to come. So we know it's not David, but the one who is to come is gonna look like David. And so he's leaving out some of the embarrassing things like when he fled from Saul and when uh, he had the affair with Bathsheba and ended up having uh, Uriah the Hittite killed, her husband. But then we move on and we find out more about David's preparation for the temple, where he actually buys the site of where that temple is going to be erected. And it comes because of David's census. We hear about David's census also in Samuel. And we know that it is a sin against the Lord, so he doesn't leave it all out. But this one is so important because it's the future site of the Temple of Jerusalem. And the author wants us to see both the, the future restoration of the temple as well as the Messiah who is to come. And so David, in buying that spot, he is cleared. He, he does it with his own money. He, he buys the property from Ornan. And then he says, this is where the temple will be erected. Here shall the house of the Lord God and here the altar for burnt offerings of Israel. Here's where it's going to happen. And so we get a little insight into how Chronicles is structured and the purpose behind it. It's a recap, looking back at all of Israel's history up to the exile and then through the exile back to the coming back into the land and the, the rebuilding of the temple. And so we're, we're, we have more story of David to come, but know that it's told with the view of putting, painting David in the, the best light as he can be painted in. And so as we wrap up today, I'd ask you to consider what does this section of scripture tell you about who God is and what he wants? What does this section of scripture tell you about yourself? And then finally, what was it that the Holy Spirit was stirring up while we were reading? Take those thoughts, turn them into prayers, and we'll be right here again tomorrow. Until then, God bless.